1: Hello and welcome to episode 16 of the Flying the Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one sports podcast network, the only place for the show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? So yeah, it's uh, Kent and I here remotely again as we uh, prepare for New uh, New Year's Eve tomorrow. But how you been doing? Everything going well?
2: Yeah, yeah, things are good. Yeah, we had a fun holiday, fun uh, last couple weeks, and uh, yeah, it was a good Christmas, and uh, yeah, all good things.
1: Got any fun plans for New Year's Eve? Uh,
2: I I don't I think it's gonna be a pretty low key New Year's Eve uh, with our crew, probably. <laughs> Probably an early night. Nothing, uh, nothing too exciting. How about you?
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be the same. My uh, my mom's over watching the the baby, so we might we might have a little bit of fun. Uh, James, my wife and I uh, uh, go yeah. out in the town, but more than likely we'll just stay here and fall asleep because <laughs> that's how every night goes, pretty much.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's get into it. We're, today we're going to talk the last two games over the over the week, over the Christmas week. It was Golden Knights-Ducks. It feels like more than a week ago now, but it, it wasn't quite. And then Flyers-Ducks uh, just a couple days ago. Obviously, the Ducks pull a 4-3 victory out over the Golden Knights just a few days ago. Uh, and then the Ducks lose uh, another tough one in overtime. John Gibson just had a great game, really kept the Ducks in it. But uh, unfortunately, they can't pull it out in the OT, so it's a one-on-one basically a one in one week for the Ducks, but uh, yeah, what were your thoughts uh, f- about the Golden Knights game?
2: Definitely a good win for uh, always a tough matchup uh, for anyone, I think, in the league, but especially uh, a team that's kind of given the, the Ducks some problems uh, the last couple of years, so that was a great win, great showing. Um, yeah, I thought they, they played played well throughout the game and it's been kind of uh, I know we'll talk a little bit more about this later but uh, I think the the sign and a kind of common problem or common theme throughout the league is consistency and, and night to night and I think you look at in any team where the majority uh, regardless of where they're at the, the standings the, the team is a little higher have it down a little better but it, it's still it's um, still Tough to tough to uh, get this get a good result or get a good performance or you kind of never know what you're going to get uh, on any given night. So I guess that's uh, I guess that was the whole purpose of the the salary cap to create balance and parity and and keep everyone in it. And uh, but yeah, so I think the Ducks are no different, obviously. But uh, yeah, I thought they played well against the Golden Knights yeah a couple of power play goals always nice um just kind of working a while around well on the five on three and always huge to get that goal with uh with a second left so you get the rest of that kind of bonus time on you get to stay on the power play and to capitalize on that too with a bit of a, a lucky break but uh of the benefits of, of shooting the puck, and everyone's always a big advocate of shooting the puck, especially on the power play. So that uh, that worked out, that worked out well. And then we had the the late scramble, but uh, overall, what uh, what did you think of that one? I, I think
1: uh, I agree with you there. I think first of all, good that they uh, that they came back after after going down a goal. It hasn't always been the case this season. Also, they got pretty heavily outshot, but they are still able to generate better scoring chances, kind of on the whole than the than their opponents. That it was different, definitely the case against the Golden Knights. A lot of uh, a lot of. Chances close in to uh, to Malcolm Subban, who was playing goaltender in that game, and and they converted them this time, which was, a, was definitely a good sign. Also, the power play continuing to be more successful than it was through the first quarter of the season is a great sign for the team. I, I know I thought it was a little bit of Derek Grant being on the power play, but he's injured now, so it's definitely uh, it's definitely I think an adjustment that they've made. Maybe it is shooting more. That is that is really um, kind of boosted their power play over the last couple weeks um i don't think i i i everybody's really been saying how well isaac longestrom has been playing he had an assist in that game uh it's hard though he he's a he is a very good player but it's hard he he's not that flashy i mean he does some some flashy things but he really does a lot of the small little things right when when he is in the lineup up here in anaheim and i think that's Kind of an understated. I mean, I think he has kind of an understated game. He 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 just does the does the small things correctly, and whether or not it results in in points, it's it's usually always beneficial to the ducks. But I I just I kind of notice that I don't notice him <laughs> in games, but not in a bad way. I don't know if that makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. I think it's uh, he does have one of those games. I think uh, when we got to see him a lot. And he was noticeable in the preseason. Uh, regular season, it's so hard to stand out. I mean, everybody's uh, so good at that level, and especially if you do have kind of more of uh, this, the, your game is kind of more based uh, on the on kind of attention to detail and the subtleties, which I mean is absolutely tremendously important over there. Uh, as it pertains to kind of team success. And um, and I think those details usually come out more uh, when you're kind of watching from the bench or kind of breaking down video kind of after the game and really kind of getting into the, the nuances and the details of the game and positioning and battles and decision-making and, and those kind of little things that are hard to pick up. I mean, even... Uh, you know someone like I've watched hockey my, my whole life but it's just it's different when you're at ice level when you're kind of in the game on the ice and that, that's where you can kind of it's funny how the perspective kind of changes and you notice especially when you're playing with a guy when he does all the little things right and it makes everyone else's job on the on the ice uh, that much easier so I feel like he's one of those guys but uh, yeah, it's good to see him. You know, getting getting points and, and getting some kind of uh, tangible reward. It's great as well. But yeah, no, I think uh, he's a solid player. I think he's going to be a good one uh, for the Ducks. He's only going to get better being so young.
1: That's a good point. He, his game seems like the type that isn't easiest to notice on tv because the the camera is always kind of following the puck so you don't see what he's doing behind the play or what he's doing off the puck which is uh if he's usually in the right place at the right time you, you know doing those little things it's because he's positioned himself correctly and he's reading the game well so um definitely i think a a player i'm going to watch when i next uh, when i next go to a ducks game um yeah. Moving on to the Flyers. Uh, really good game by John Gibson. Absolutely stole a point in this one. Uh, the Ducks start off slowly. They do end up making a good push in the third period. Uh, they get the first goal, I believe, actually. It was a good Branson shot from the point. Uh, a little bit of a knuckle puck, I think. Um, and. Uh, yeah, but he, but he ends up, he ends up getting his, I believe it's third goal of the season. So he, he's really, yeah. I mean, three goals overall is, I mean, isn't awesome for if you're expecting him to score, but we aren't expecting him to score. He's really a stay at home defenseman and he's, he's continuing to find a place here in Anaheim. Um, and I think maybe the criticism of him early on was a little bit unfair.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's, uh, very accurate. I think, yeah, that's not not what you're – and definitely not an expectation uh, or or his role or anything like that, but always a great bonus to to get out of a defensive defenseman. And, uh, yeah, I think he's played well. And, I mean, it's not like – yeah, no, I I think he's definitely got some – some talent in the offensive zone as well, and um, production's great. But yeah, just the, the physicality and presence on the ice, I think it's been a welcome addition for sure. Uh, I think you mentioned, yeah, John uh, John Gibson that game was uh, yeah, it was, it was phenomenal. I made some made some unbelievable saves, um, kept the Ducks in it, and there was some some good pressure coming from. Uh, the Flyers, who I mean, talk about consistency, uh, got spanked up in San Jose the night before, and it kind of got, I don't know how, how public it was or how much what was said, but apparently the, the rumblings were that uh, the coach wasn't happy. Of course, you're never going to be after you get beat five-one or six-one or whatever it was. But uh, I mean, yeah, talk about consistency. I and mean, they come back on the back end of actually uh, back games with travel. And and they I thought they played well. And uh, when they when they needed uh, some saves, I mean, the Ducks had some some great A's uh, as well. But another great uh, great guy, great player was uh, kind of a a great career and a kind of a heart and soul guy. Brian Elliott had the chance to play with him in St. Louis and just a, a great teammate and a phenomenal goalie too. And I guess he's um, you know in a backup role now at this stage of his career, but still uh, such a such a key component to have that that luxury to have a backup like that. And, and I thought it was a great performance by him. And uh, rewinding a little bit, I, I think um, when yeah, I, I think the Ducks kind of uh, took advantage of the fact that no uh, Mark Andre Fleury against the Vegas uh, against the Vegas Knights, and um, you know no, no knock or uh, disrespect at all to, to Malcolm Sue but I think uh, like that fourth goal, the winner is just kind of a, a hardworking goal. It's just uh a spinner-around shot from the corner kind of along the ice that just kind of catches him off guard and, and sneaks in. Um, just uh, just kind of highlights the fact when you have you have two guys just uh, at the top of their game, uh, it was a great goaltending duel there against the Flyers.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think Subban, uh, you, you mentioned Suban and the Golden Knights. He, he definitely has found his place in, in Las Vegas. He's played well since they started the last three seasons as a backup. When he was playing for the Bruins uh, sporadically, the, the team would drafted him. He was like historically bad. So I'm happy to see that he's kind of bounced back and, and made a career for himself as the golden Knights backup goaltender. But um moving back to the, to the flyers game. I was wondering what you thought about the, the the game-winning goal in overtime that the Flyers scored. It was just to me, I, I'm watching the watching it, I kind of had to watch it over again. Like what what happened there? Why why was there all of a sudden like a they? Fe- it felt like I first watching it, it felt like the the Ducks three players out there had gotten, I forget exactly who it was, had gotten back into position. They kind of booked it, and then I realized they went in for a change, which is why uh, I forgot who scored. I think it was was it Couturier who scored the game winner? Um,
2: uh, Hayes scored Hayes. the winner. Yeah. yeah. Nice pass, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I didn't see the, the kind of, yeah, it seemed like I just saw the wide angle, and it was a nice pass by Voracek kind of up the guy with a little sauce right onto the tape, but yeah I was I was wondering uh so yeah that we had a couple guys go for a change and then uh just kind of wrong the wrong time and all of a sudden that's that's it
1: yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I think Fowler, Fowler came on the ice. It was kind of a, I want to say it was Kasha. I'd have to look at it again, but you see kind of Fowler get onto the ice and he's, he can't quite get catch up with, with Hayes after that pass. And then, uh, yeah, I looked back and I, all three players, uh, just got off the ice and, and Philadelphia collected it pretty quickly. I think maybe they surprised, uh, surprised the Ducks players, but, uh, I don't know. I guess if you're out there for a long time and you really have to change and that's your only opportunity, you got to take the risk rather than let let fill it, let the Flyers skate back up the ice with full possession and hem you into the zone. But, yeah. uh, it was, it was definitely, I don't know, surprising once it, cause it was, it was also weird the way that the camera covered it. Like you, you didn't really notice that there was a line change and then all of a sudden you're like, if they were back there, why did they not stop? Hayes from catching that pass but it was because they were changing uh, on the fly so uh, unfortunately they, they lose that game but they do get a point i think thanks largely to john gibson
2: yeah absolutely. i mean some of those saves were uh, were outstanding and just uh again like the the subtleties that he does so well uh, like the rebound control and just the the positioning and like yeah when he's on all that stuff is is, uh, is top notch, and he always just looks so composed and unflappable. And uh, I thought that was uh, yeah, that was kind of a textbook jumper. Just kind of looks unflappable. Just makes it look easy. Just always looks so composed. And uh, like the re- rebound control and his body control, and everything is just uh, outstanding. He just makes it look easy, and he just made some really difficult saves that look pretty routine. So uh, a great performance by him.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us to uh, kind of the general couple points I wanted to discuss heading, uh, closing out this, uh, this podcast. First of all, you mentioned it a little bit to start. The inconsistency, uh, I think it has a lot to do with the youth on the Ducks roster and the fact that they can't really string together more than a couple wins in a row. And you, you need that that long winning streak at some point in the season just to bank points. And that way, if you, if you have a tough stretch, you can kind of stay. You've already kind of got your head high enough above water that you're still in the fight. Unfortunately, the Ducks just haven't been able to put together a long win streak like that. And uh, do you think it has to do with youth? I mean, you mentioned the parity in the league and the salary cap and everything. But I mean, there's the. it feels like the, the thing that separates the, the top of, from the bottom of the league are those long winning streaks that, that some teams tend to go on now
2: yeah I mean yeah you basically saw it last year the one that sticks out to obviously St. Louis that kind of they started in in January and kind of rode that all the way till June but uh, yeah I mean you need that you need long winning streaks I remember in uh, 2007 I was uh, basically in the minors for the first half of the season that we won the cup but I mean the Ducks came out of the the gates that year something like 18-2-1 or something like that. Unbelievable. And, and, yeah, you really do need that. you, you got to capitalize when things are going well. And I, I think you just – it's so hard. Um, I mean, there's so much youth in the league as is, so you're going to get that uh, inconsistency built in as as guys still have a little ways to go. It's, I mean, the talent and skill and athleticism and, uh, you know, every, everything – all the parts are there, but just uh, as far as the maturity and learning to be a pro and consistency and all that comes with time. So I think that's going to kind of be a, a new constant. Uh, inconsistency is going to be the new constant uh, in, in the NHL for a while. Um, but, yeah, I think the teams that are kind of towards the top basically have the – the talent and the experience and the, I don't know, they know how to win enough to carry them through, whereas kind of all the teams in the middle or the bottom are still trying to figure that out. So everyone's, everyone's going to be, uh, inconsistent to some degree. It's just the, the teams at the top have enough going for them that they can kind of, uh, survive and, and even, uh, having the ability to win games when you don't have your best game, just e- either through uh, an individual performance or one aspect of your game is strong enough, like special teams or, uh, or whatever it is to carry you through. And you just have something that can kind of uh, help you along those nights where you don't have your best and, and allow you to either pick up a point or somehow pick up two. So. Uh, and, and I think the, the Ducks are kind of just where they're at uh, in the in the cycles of the kind of of how franchises go these days. They they uh, just don't have enough. Um, I don't know. I guess kind of enough. I think they have the talent, but just the the maturing process of that talent isn't to a point where they can afford to not be at their best and be able to pick up wins. So I think it's like you see the, the effort and the execution, and they're still playing at a high level. I mean, even when they're losing, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a grind for them this year and in the big scheme of things, it's, uh, it's not always a bad thing. And sometimes it takes, uh, a couple of years and, you know, you're just banking on getting, getting these guys experience and, and uh, kind of shoot for growth in the long-term that way.
1: Before we continue, it's time to talk about my bookie. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the bowl. Will the Ravens be able to get it done? Will Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I bet you have a feeling. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you are looking for a sportsbook to make some bets for bowl games, MyBookie is where you want to go. Football not your thing? No worries. MyBookie's got it all, from the NBA to the Premier League. They've got the fastest payouts, the best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pool your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you got a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay Wagers let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. MyBookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sportsbook around. If you join now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from MyBookie. Bet, win, get paid moving into basically where they are in the standings and, and what would be better for them? You mentioned growing kind of through adversity and, and your young players gaining experience and and winning when they're not, when they don't have the, uh, they're not at their best. Do you think it's a little better? uh, Sorry, I'm getting a message that my internet is unstable. I'm having all sorts of issues today. Uh, Do you think it's, do you think it's, more constructive for the Ducks to, and obviously Bob Murray and Dallas Eakins and the Ducks roster is not going to actively tank that, that, that uh, NHL players don't do that. Managers don't do that. They have jobs and paychecks to worry about and, and futures of their career. But do you think they're better off ending up lower in the standings, maybe challenging for, for a lottery spot and addressing some of their needs like a, like a, a purebred goal scorer, we'll call it, or or another top four defenseman that they maybe aren't going to be able to get through a trade, or do you think it would be better for them to kind of continue bat? uh, They're always going to continue battling, but to end up in the last couple spots outside of, outside of the playoffs, maybe lower in the draft, uh, but gain that adversity and experience.
2: Um. Yeah, I think there's there's not really uh, a clear cut answer. I've never been a big um, a big fan of the the tanking and um, not that anyone is, but even that mentality that you want to lose to create or to hopefully get a higher pick. I just don't. I think I feel like that's kind of a cultural flaw. If you uh, if that's kind of your mindset, where it's like you look at the if you think of teams that have had like success over the long term, like the the Red Wings back in the day, or the you're gonna like the the New England Patriots uh, over Mm -hmm. the last few years. It's all about kind of. It's, it's not always about drafting the the highest players and and getting the the top level talent it's about kind of day in day out kind of habits of your franchise and of your um the whole culture of your system basically and I think that's that's kind of the most important thing so I I think yeah, not necessarily. I guess in one respect, I, I don't think this year is really about wins and losses for the Ducks. I think it's about growth and the and the young players and uh, being able to kind of get them experiencing tough games, whether that's uh, success or, or failure, equally important, and kind of let them uh, – kind of be around the, the Ryan gets last and the the camp and and kind of be side by side with them in the in the heat of battle and, and see learn from guys like that what it really does take and just kind of experience everything and just develop and 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 build good habits that kind of from the day to day so then no matter where you're drafting you're gonna get good players and um, and then to just be able to kind of get the absolute best out of those players and build a system that's able to get the best out of those players and allow people to kind of work together in a cohesive unit, I I think. And kind of using your scouting and, um, and your scouting staff and player development, everyone kind of working together to get the best players available Wherever you pick, and let your system kind of develop them and and turn them into the best players that they can be for themselves and for your team. So I think just the, I think they're doing a lot of things right as an overall franchise um, and as the, the system as far as what they're doing between San Diego and Anaheim. I think seeing a lot of good things, and the the wins will come eventually. But uh, the short answer was. Uh, I think they're like you said they're all they're all competitors everyone's playing to to win every night and uh, you know there's no tanking I don't think that's the answer but uh, yeah I mean obviously if they they play hard in battle and end up uh, the higher the draft pick that's always you know a little bit of an advantage but I think the the bigger scheme of things is what you're doing every day as uh, as a franchise and as a team. And I think they're getting a lot of that right these days, even if the wins aren't coming.
1: In your in your career, you in the NHL you never really played on a team that was in that position, correct? I mean the Ducks were always good, the Sharks, the Blues, the one season you were there had had a good season, as well as Detroit and yep. Philadelphia. So um I don't know, I can I can understand why <laughs> why you would disagree with that for sure. <laughs>
2: Well, and then I guess there's the – I mean, you hate to, uh, I don't know, point fingers that people have got it wrong. But, I mean, high draft picks, I mean, you, you could have, uh, you know, say, say Edmonton had, had how many first overall picks and doesn't necessarily mean anything. Even if you get, like, the top player each year of the draft, it's still – It's still a team sport. It's still uh, a lot more uh, goes into team success than talent. I mean, talent is important, yes, but it's one element of many. Uh, It's not the sole factor. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you just look at guys like teams like Detroit and like Gatsuk and Zetterberg, like all those guys, they got in – kind of mid to late rounds and I think like um some of the some of the ducks kind of I think they've they've done well with their their first and second round picks but to be able to see guys picking up in like the fifth round sixth round that are uh coming in and contributing I I think that's that's you got to get those picks right too and and those are uh, definitely important another just all kind of all baked into the recipe of long-term success. And I think, like I say, they're doing a lot of things well.
1: Support for Believe comes from Manscaped, who's the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. It's 2020 and you know what that means. New year, new me, better personal hygiene. Men, listen up. Hair down there is so 2019. If you're going to pick any new year's resolution this year, let it be to take care of your stuff. Manscaped is making it easy with their grooming products. You obviously don't want any sort of there's something about Mary situation going on that Ben Stiller's character encountered in the beginning of the movie. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin safe technology, so this trimmer won't nick or snag your equipment bag. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past, and don't use the same trimmer on your face that you're using on your undercarriage. That's just dirty. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing, below-the-belt deodorant and undercarriage moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why not put deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Speak for yourself. Get 20% off free shipping with the code believe at manscaped.com. That's B-L-E-A-V at manscaped.com. Start the new year off right by using the best tools for the job. Your undercarriage will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code believe at manscape.com. That's 20% off with the free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. And touching on the, the final kind of part of this discussion is uh coming up in the trade deadline the ducks more than likely are going to be in the selling position when when the trade deadline comes along uh, and obviously you don't want to discuss any of this lightly because when you're discussing trade rumors or even people who potentially might be a target of a trade that they're, they're human beings that have to uproot their whole lives and uh move with or without their family to another part of the country or another country even but do you think yeah. that ducks have any, and you, you obviously experienced that. Do you think the ducks have anybody who uh, understanding that maybe is a UFA or, or a restricted free agent um, who other teams might want to go after? Because obviously the guys like Silverberg and Raquel and, and Henrik, they have a lot of, I mean, theoretically a lot of trade value, but it's going to be hard um, for a team either to offer the ducks something that that would make it worth their while to trade them, especially considering how long they're under contract Um, or vice versa. It would be hard for the ducks maybe to get a team to give up that much for such a long commitment. Uh, Do you think there's anybody on the Ducks roster who, who uh, with or without rumors might be a, a target uh, at the trade deadline. I was thinking before the injury, maybe Derek Grant, cause he's had such a good season, although it would stink after the, after the uh, success he's found here that he'd be traded away again.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, there's no one that really jumps out at me. I know it's always been an interesting time and, um, yeah i think it's that is a a fair point like having done it um one time and uh or obviously my career has yeah, actually got traded a couple times but um i think that was uh yeah before we had kids so i mean yeah there's there's lives uh, <laughs> guys have lives and yeah i kind of it's uh, uproot things. It it, uh, it can be difficult, but it's um, just kind of part of the business of pro sports. And um, but yeah, as far as the ducks, I I can't really. I think Derek Grant is actually a good call. I but with all the success that he had, I would think it would probably. Uh, I would think both parties would probably be. Uh, happy to kind of at least explore uh continuing (laughs) continuing having him here um but other than that no and i don't think i mean there's i don't know I, i don't see much of anything the deck's being very active at all at the the trade deadline but uh it's definitely always an exciting time as a as a fan kind of um yeah, to see kind of who ends up where, who's buying, who's selling. But I don't, I don't really think the ducks are really in much of a place to, to do anything as far as selling, I would yeah. say.
1: Yeah, they don't have uh, – I mean – they don't have a Taylor hall or, or a, a a high price, a high, highly sought after UFA that could be traded for a rental. But uh, two guys that interest me, Andre Kasha, he was obviously included in the rumors when they're, when the ducks were looking to trade for Justin Falk. So, right. I mean, and, and then Bob Murray, seemed to get pretty upset when uh, when oh, the Carolina Hurricanes owner allegedly leaked the, Kasha's name. So, um, I, I mean, he's one I think you could get something for, and, and Bob Murray, Murray apparently hasn't been afraid of parting with him because he's included in discussions. The other one I'm really interested to see is is Ryan Miller. I mean, he's been pretty vocal. He, he, he basically rejected a trade, I think, last year because he was rumored that he was maybe going to San Jose, uh... And, and that fell through. And I think it came out that, that Miller said he wasn't interested in, in, in being traded because he's got a a modified no trade clause. But I wonder this year he's, he's getting to the end of his career. He's got, he's, he's only ever gotten to the conference final. He's never had a chance at a Stanley cup. Uh, And I wonder if that maybe motivates him to, to accept a trade if it, if it's, if it's obviously brought to him and and the the right team is involved because he, he he's talked about not wanting to leave Southern California. He's got a, a young kid and, and a a wife who who's an actress here. So he, he doesn't want to leave. But maybe yeah. If, if Bob Murray approaches him and says, hey, you know, um, the Blues are looking for somebody, somebody goes down, let's say it's a Blues backup goaltender. The Blues are looking for for somebody to uh, to back up Bennington or or the Hurricanes are looking for someone to back up. I don't even remember who's their starter right now, but uh, maybe a, a, a very competitive team with a chance to to possibly challenge for a Stanley cup title, Colorado would be another example. Do you think, I mean, there's might be a possibility that Miller would be willing to go there as a backup and maybe chase that ring one more time.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess you never know. I would think that, that, uh, yeah, I mean that, that side of it, I'm sure would kind of at least, uh, yeah, be worth a discussion, but yeah, I, I definitely know he's, He's uh, very happy here and happy in Southern California. And um, But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if there was, was uh, you know, you think of guys you'd, you'd love to see uh, kind of get uh, get a chance at a cup, and I think of uh, everyone, I know they had to run there a couple of years ago, and it was, Justin Seal Jumbo up in San Jose, get a get another crack at one, and you know, just uh, you'd love to see those kind of the high quality kind of character guys, Class Acts, and Ryan Mills, another guy I like that. Like you'd love to see him have a chance to to chase him, I mean, he's had such a great career, and and uh, always such a. I I know just how he's been in Anaheim, and I'm uh, such a a great teammate and class act I and mean, then guys love him and so well respected that you'd love to see good things for, for a guy like that so uh, I mean that would 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 definitely be, be cool to see um, in that sense but yeah like I say I know I know he's definitely happy here for sure.
1: Absolutely can't blame him if his family is based here so um, let's wrap it up with the three stars today we're going to do the three hardest things that maybe people didn't assume or, or just the three hardest things in your experience about playing in the NHL. And I will do the three hardest things for me about covering sports because there's definitely some, uh, <laughs> some challenges uh, involved there as well.
2: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, uh, I guess, yeah, like everybody's going to be uh, different. I think just the trajectory of my career and, Uh, in the pros and in college and, and, you know, even back to a kid, I think it was um, just kind of the the first hardest thing you kind of have to get over in your mind is just the intimidation factor of the NHL and all of a sudden kind of, um, like, I got called up mid-season for my first NHL game and I'd been in training camps and everything, but my, uh, first NHL game, all of a sudden, yeah, being on, on the bench with these guys and, in in a game that that matters and, um, playing Phoenix and Gretzky was, uh, coaching them at the time. And uh, so, yeah, you just got to kind of, uh, Get it off the pedestal in your mind that this is the NHL, and just kind of, uh, kind of focus on competing, and and there uh, just kind of lose yourself in the game and and forget about everything else. So, uh, kind of losing the intimidation, and I don't think that's so much of uh, an issue anymore with the the kids kind of coming in hardwired at eighteen, nineteen, and not being phased at all. The, back when I came in, that was still kind of a thing. That uh, like guys weren't good when they were young. It took you a few years to kind of get settled in and learn the ropes and pay your dues and all those things. And so uh, not not better or worse. Just it was just a different time and different era. So uh, that was kind of a, a mental challenge for me, uh, kind of getting over the fact that this was the NHL and kind of normalizing that Uh, and then the second one obviously the margin of error um, so small um, even against um, like if you're matched up as a defenseman against third and fourth line players I mean they're all still NHL players and everyone has good systems and uh, like yeah just the margin of error for being out of position by uh a couple of feet and just things you can cheat and, and get away with playing in the American league or they could do in college. And, um, and yeah, just having, having the discipline to kind of, always, um, kind of always, 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 always be in the right position, being on the right side of the guy. Um, yeah. Just the attention to, to detail. is just kind of, paramount or else uh, I think when you look, when you see someone look bad on the ice and it looks like a a bad mistake, it usually wasn't that bad. It just looks that bad because everyone's kind of because the league is so good and you just don't see it, Um, especially now with how fast everyone is. just um, So, yeah, even back then, the attention to detail and margin for error, that would be number two. And I think the, the third part was um, just kind of the, the mental maintenance day-to-day. You kind of have to keep with yourself as far as like uh, your confidence because when things are going well, uh, it's things tend to get magnified and it's easy to kind of uh get a little complacent and kind of believe believe the hype and and then the kind of that also can kind of lead to shortcuts here and there and then when things aren't going well and and uh you know there's a, now more than ever with social media and everything uh, the media and um and fans and uh you know, things can kind of spiral pretty quick if you don't have a that solid kind of base of self-confidence and confidence in the in your abilities and confidence in the, the work that you've put in to kind of just have that uh, have that foundation of confidence within yourself. Um, so it's not too high, not too low, and it's always kind of a, kind of a balancing act. And that was uh, always something that um i had to to work on I'm, I'm kind of a an analytical type so and you'd kind of uh have time on the road when you're kind of in the hotel room or on flights and there's kind of in between games and practices and just a lot of time to think and you can wind up kind of being your own worst enemy so that was always kind of a, a battle for a kind of analytical guy uh, like myself. So those, those are my, my three kind of major challenges playing at the NHL. But, uh, I'm sure if you talk to any number of guys, everyone kind of has, has different things that they kind of, they have to work on. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an unbelievable league. It was, uh, a dream come true playing in it. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a challenge every day, but yeah, obviously thankful for, uh, for all my time I, I got to play. and I definitely uh, feel very fortunate to, to have had that opportunity.
1: Awesome. Some deep thoughts from Husky there. I totally, I totally get it. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you. No, I can, I yeah. I can certainly see how those are, are there was a very, you are an analytical guy and I can see how that's, is a, those are very introspective answers. So, um, definitely, definitely very interesting for, uh, for the journalism part of things. I mean, I've spent most of my short journalism career covering high school players. Uh, So uh, one of the harder things that can be involved with that is just getting them to say anything that doesn't sound like it just, (laughs) anything that (laughs) that of of substance, like you go up to a, a high school football player after a game and you're like, Hey, you know, you ran for 300 yards and, and four touchdowns today. You basically were your team. Uh, uh, can you just tell me about how that feels good? You're like, okay, great. Have you had it? Have you had a game like this before? <laughs> are you, are you r- 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 ecstatic about how you've played? Yes. And you're just like, Oh my God, I was, wow. I, was I this, was I this <laughs> uh, sure. We'll say, uh, not, not long winded, I guess, or not, not as detailed when I was in high school. Holy cow. <laughs> Um, but then moving up to kind of the pro level, uh, uh, having done some freelance work and, and been, uh, at some professional some NHL games and some NBA, uh, covering some NBA teams, um, for different freelance assignments. It's very hard when you first show up, uh, to act like you've been there before. Like you don't know, it's a very well-oiled machine. The, 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 uh, we'll call them the veteran journalists, the people who've been doing it forever, know exactly where to be at what time, all the etiquette that's involved in addressing professional athletes and uh, where to stand, where not to stand, and it's just the first time when you're trying to walk the walk and make it look like, you know, what's going on, but you don't is, uh, is, is very intimidating. I mean, it, it, ha- it was like that for me when, uh, when I first covered, uh, went to a ducks game. Um, luckily you were there as were, uh, as were some of the uh, other journalists. So I just kind of followed. So that helped. Yeah. Uh, um, but I just, I just went to a Clippers practice. Uh, I was, tasked with getting some quotes from, from some Clippers players before, uh, before Christmas. And I had to go to two of them because the first one I went to, my deadline was like a, a few days away, but the first one I went to, I tried to pretend like I knew what was going on and before I knew it, the media session was over. They had like two players speak for, for or answer questions for two and a half minutes. And it was like a, a a rugby scrum trying to get your question in there. So all of a sudden they're a like, hey, yeah, the uh, media session is done now. Have a good day. And I'm standing there like, I didn't ask any questions or get to get to talk to yeah, anyone. Yeah. Um, so that, that can be tough. Luckily I went back a couple of days later with the plan and really jammed my way in there. So I, I got some good sound bites from uh, Paul George, which was pretty sweet. Uh um, nice. yeah. Um, and then the last thing I, I mean, the last one was a tough one. There's, I mean, a lot of mental things, I think second guessing yourself, uh, in journalism is, is a big, I mean, you're writing your, are if someone has hired you to report on something, you're kind of the de facto becoming the de facto expert on on a topic that you're writing about and for me it's hard it's hard not to write something or, or spend a lot of time working on something and then when I'm done be like oh no that was stupid that was stupid start all over again like it's just the longer I work on something the worse I think it is even though it might be really good so uh, yep. that's that's another hard part and I think that a lot of people struggle with that not just in journalism but those those are my three hard things about covering sports
2: Nice. What uh, can you talk about the difference? I guess um, is, is there a difference as far as doing media and interviews for the NBA versus uh, like doing it for hockey? Is there any any kind of differences to speak of, or is it all kind of like the same format, same kind of vibe? Because I know the the NBA is basically um, been kind of uh, I don't know, looked on favorably for the way that they kind of, for access to players and kind of promoting the players' personalities and that kind of thing. And I I think the NHL is trying to kind of emulate a little bit of that, but is there, have you noticed a difference between doing those two?
1: Definitely. Um, I think just the culture of both sports is so different that, that NBA players, are, are more willing to speak their minds, but also I think the teams guard against that more. Like, I think yeah. they, they're protected, they're shielded a lot more than, than in my experience, NHL players are. That also might be the difference in market. I mean, uh, not to disparage the ducks or the NHL, but covering the Anaheim ducks, uh, or even trying to go to a, or any sort of media availability for, for them is much more relax. I guess a more relaxing atmosphere than it is, Covering the Los Angeles Clippers, you now have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and are going to probably play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. So there's there's the last time I went there were maybe 20 people in a scrum after practice trying to each each get a question in. And I mean, they're you kind of stepping on each other's toes and kind of shoving each other. Yeah. And it, it, it really is almost a contact sport versus, I mean, the times I've, I've interviewed Ducks players, they're sitting at their locker after a game. There's maybe three or four people around. Everybody gets a chance to ask a couple of questions and it's, it's, I mean, maybe in Toronto that's different, but in, 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 in Anaheim, it's, it's certainly, I mean, I'm appreciative of it. It's, it's, it's a lot easier to talk to players, but, there is that, there is that culture where it's still not, I mean, not to disparage the NBA, but it's, it's in the NHL, it's a lot of, it's not a lot of individual recognition or, or self recognition. It's all about the team. It's all about kind of protecting your teammates. And, and, and so I I'll say that it's, it's more relaxing. I think it's easier for me to go cover an, an NHL, at least the NHL, game team that I've covered so far, it's, it's been easier, but, um, the NBA, you can definitely get, you can get some interesting stuff coming out of their mouths. Like I remember, uh, the practice I was just at with the Clippers, Montrezl Harrell walked into the media scrum and was going like, I'm going to, I'm going to on Lynch y'all. I'm going to, I'm not going to tell you anything. And then he just started make, making jokes and and like spouting off about this and that nothing really particularly uh, important involving the Clippers or basketball, but it was like, he just kind of went on a little, a little uh, yeah. riff. So it's, it's definitely a totally different atmosphere. Um, but I, I, to be honest, I prefer ho- – I mean, I'm biased because I love hockey, but uh, I prefer <laughs> covering hockey more than I like covering
2: basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nice. Interesting. That's cool.
1: Yeah, well, uh, that'll do it for Episode 16. Thanks, uh, thanks again for listening. And uh, if you want to find me, my Twitter is at is Deli tweets D-E-L-L-I-T-W-E-T-S. Kent is on Instagram at husk, that's H-U-S-K under dash V-E-R-N-A, correct? that's it and you can also find him pretty regularly at his coffee shop huskins coffee in santa Ana. i bought myself a whole bunch of coffee uh from there right before the holidays (laughs) meant to give it out as a christmas gift but i kept it so it's (laughs) so um yeah but uh that's gonna do it we'll talk to you next week Uh, have a good one
0: all right thanks guys Everyone has a favorite photo. Now you can turn yours into canvas wall art at canvasworld.com. Canvasworld.com will print your photograph on a handcrafted custom canvas at the size of your choice. They combine the latest technology and environmentally friendly inks to produce canvas prints that are higher quality than ever available before, and they guarantee their work for life. Maybe that's why 6 of the country's top 10 hotel chains choose Canvasworld. Their prices are a fraction of what you'd pay elsewhere and It's easy. Just upload your photo, choose a size, and you're done. They'll even digitally retouch your photo absolutely free. Place your order at canvasworld.com today and save 35% plus get free shipping when you enter promo code PHOTO at checkout. Get big canvas prints at big savings at canvasworld.com and save 35% and get free shipping when you enter promo code PHOTO at checkout. Order yours today at canvasworld.com. That's canvasworld.com, where photos become art.